Welcome, I'm John Lynch and I'm the host of The Discarded Compass, the podcast for the seasoned seeker. If this resonates, please subscribe to us for future episodes. So without further ado, sit back, relax and join me and my guest as we deep dive into the mystery of spiritual enlightenment. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Discarded Compass. I'm your host, John Lynch, and we have a great guest for you tonight, Eric Putkinen. Eric, how are you? Great, great. Glad to be here. Yeah, and thanks for coming on the show. And it was a bit short notice and you obliged fairly well, which is, um, I appreciate that, you know. Um, So where are you from, actually? Philadelphia, was it? Uh, No, I'm from St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay, you're living in... Um, Yeah, I've been living down here, I don't know, about three years. So it's nice. Wherever you go, you are, yeah? Um, yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, I remembered uh, having all my stuff in a, in a Penske truck driving down here, and and there was a definite feeling of not really going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it mustn't have always been like that. I mean, it must have been um, different years ago. You know, there must have been a time where you were not, not where you were uh, egoic or, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, like everybody, it starts out that way. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, the, had the typical building the whole sense of I, family, growing up, school. Yeah, it's a pretty typical um, scenario for everybody. And it happens at a young age, obviously. Probably some people say three or four. I suspect even younger than that is where the ego starts to form. Um you know, because I mean, even before three, um, some infants, when you call out their name, they'll turn and look. They're they're starting to get a feel for this name is is referring to me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that that's true. I've never thought of that actually. Yeah, a bit the baby can take in the the sounds of the the name and and mm-hmm. is that terrible? Th- is that a terrible thing to happen? Um, to, to become egoic, to suffer, because when you become e- egoic or you get the sense of I, I mean, it's inevitable, isn't it, really? I think Ramana Maharshi said that it's inevitable. Um, I think it is definitely not something that's bad. I mean, um, potentially, I would think there'd be almost more harm if you try to raise a child totally non-egoic. Because, uh, I mean, in school... It's definitely not a civilized, it's not civilized in school. So, I mean, a very non-egoic child will be eaten alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that reminds so, me. Mean, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. I mean, losing the ego is, 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 is far easier when it's a civilized society. You're not, and you're not, and there's people not constantly trying to uh, do harm or, or, or take advantage of you or, or mess with you or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a it's a bit of a rat race, um, mm-hmm. and the the thrive to survive and to reach the top obviously is an, is another is another thing we could talk forever about. Um, and the same thing can can happen in the spiritual circles. Um, you know, mm-hmm. people can become I'm more enlightened than you, or I'm really enlightened, and you're not enlightened <laughs> because you think you're not enlightened, and you are enlightened because you you, you don't really care too much. You know, I, I mean. It gets really ridiculous, but what what happened to to you as such for this new way of seeing to to occur? Um, well, I mean, the the short story is uh, it was just the grace of enlightenment happened, where where it was a seeing through the illusions. But I mean, um, you know, I started out. Is growing up the typical way, but I've always had an interest and curiosity in what really was going on. Was, I mean, ever since such as a, as a child, there's always been this feeling of there's more to it than this, and I'm missing something. <laughs> and uh, and so you know, I started uh, studying you know unusual topics like you know, parapsychology and, you know, a bunch of other stuff as a child. By the time I got in finally in the teens and stuff, I finally got some exposure to uh, spirituality. And so that started the spiritual search. And I did that for 13 odd years, um, reading anything that seemed interesting. 
Uh, funny enough, never read anything about non-duality and not really much about enlightenment. I mean, I'd heard the term enlightenment and awakening, but there were so many conflicting definitions and stuff. I wasn't really sure what they were talking about, and and I kind of doubted it even existed. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but after about 13 years of this spiritual search, I, I gave up because um, it seemed like every new book seemed to be a rehash of something I'd read before. And um, in this uh, exhaustion and fertility of the search, I just kind of quit searching. So I quit meditating. I quit reading new books. I just I just gave up. Um, but uh, I'd been in the spiritual circles long enough to know about synchronicities and such. And so if something keeps popping up in life, I know to pay attention to it. And so about a year or so after I kind of gave up, Eckhart Tolle's name kept popping up and, uh, and so I'm like, okay, I get the, I get the feeling I need to get acquainted with this, with his stuff in some way. And I loathe to read another book. So I cheated and I went to the library and got a video. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was the idea at the time. Yeah. Uh, but during the video, um, a lot of it was stuff I heard before. He's talking about being present and I had thought I had been present in the past, but that was the point. <laughs> that was the point. It was, you can't think your way to the present. Yeah. Uh, but uh, during the video, he talked about he talked about ha- having the body and really getting in touch with the kinesthetic feeling of the body. And uh, and so when I was playing with that, um, a kind of a profound presence hit where thought died down to nothing. And it, it this kind of scenario had happened before. I remember being when I visited Machu Picchu, just being awed by the by the scene so much that I didn't have a thought in my head for 15 minutes. And you know, there's times throughout everybody's lives where thoughts die. So this wasn't new to me. So it wasn't like, Oh, the first time I was present, something happened. No, I've been present before, <laughs> but in this uh, profound presence, you know, after watching this video of getting in touch with, you know, the, the moment and kinesthetically experiencing, feeling it, um, things just kind of clicked. And so, um, you just kind of saw through the, the, the illusion of me and uh, kind of the nature of reality. And, and in the video, he, he mentioned Ramana Maharshi. And so then I went over and got a book by Ramana Maharshi and everything that Ramana talked about seemed to just resonate. It's like, yeah, that was, that was exactly what happened. <laughs> and so that was kind of how, how it worked for me, I guess. And as such, you, you didn't end up getting any, getting anything. I mean, I think I listened to a video there. Well, you sort of described it like a veil dropping uh, as such. Yeah, it was kind of like a veil dropping because, you know, the, you have all these um, concepts in your head that that you often think you understand. But the veil is is kind of like you're staring at a map and the map drops away and you actually see the scene going, oh, I now get it. <laughs> and so... The veil was just my own concepts. It was stuff that was getting in the way. <laughs> and and, and how, how how could you be sure that those concepts had dropped? That's the thing. I mean, um, well, I mean, it was it was a very deep, you know, it was visceral um, seeing. It was arising from one's being, basically. That I could tell that um, that me was an illusion. And all the stuff, the stuff associated with it was, was an illusion. Um, and, you know, it, it just, it kind of made perfect sense at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when somebody goes, well, how could, how could you know? Well, all I could say is you, you kind of know <laughs> when it drops away, you're like, oh, I get it. Um, but it's, um, it was just the things I had read about or heard about just kind of clicked in place and it, it, in such that I kind of understood what was going on. Um, and I hadn't, you know, I wasn't really searching for enlightenment, didn't expect it to happen. And when it happened, I kind of went, okay, I knew something happened. Um, suffering fell away, thought more large, by and large fell away, um, you know, and, it never really returned. And so it's, I think that's been kind of more of the proof when people go, well, how do you know? It's like, well, the stuff didn't come back. It didn't go away. <laughs> yeah. What was false drop fell away. It's like nitty nitty approach, isn't it? It's like, it's not like, you know, there was someone really, and then it fell away. It's, there was never anyone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that, uh, 
Yeah, it wasn't like the me goes, oh, I got it now. It's 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 the very illusion of me just drops away. It's like, oh, this has always been the case. Okay, I get it. <laughs> um, you know, they always talk about the the wave and ocean analogy, and it's like, and and I sometimes clarify. I'm like, well, the wave never becomes the ocean, or realizing realizes it's the ocean. It's the ocean realizes it's always been the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. It, it's a slippery, it's a slippery, it's a phantom, it's a slippery phantom of a thing, the ego. I mean, I, I look, as soon as you try to lose it, you are it. And, you know, you can't be the presence or the absence. I, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's absolutely an astounding, but that's not real, that's not true either. It wouldn't matter much what I call it a trap of of consciousness to to not know itself and to play these different characters <laughs> well it's i wouldn't even really call it a trap either but i mean it's yeah, it's, it's a, a lot yeah. of it's just built on very very understandable um incorrect assumptions based on misconception and belief um you know we we come to and some of it we just gained from from growing up. So, you know, the the whole learning what we're taught from our elders and peers and everything else. It's, it's so the, the conditioning carries through and, re, you know, it, it seems to reinforce the ideas and the assumptions we come up with. Um, you know, because the, the whole idea of me, a lot of times I find people are basing that on what I'm consciously aware of, what I can control. And these are very natural assumptions. I mean, yeah, if, if I can control this and I can't control that, it seems separate. If my conscious awareness is only aware of these senses, I'm not aware of what this other body mind senses, you know, it seems like they're separate. But the same thing applies when you're dreaming at night. When you're dreaming at night, you only have that one character you're playing. And that one character can only control what it can control. And only that character can see what it can see. But that doesn't make the entire dream not be one consciousness. It all arose from one consciousness. There's nobody else in the dream. There's no one else in the dream. <laughs> and so, you know, that these natural assumptions, um, you know, come up from, you know, we, we, we tag a lot of, of faith to, I must be separate for these reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's everything's an afterthought, isn't it? Yep. It's like it's 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 astounding. It it's a, it's just it for me, it's like the trap meant when I meant by trap, it was like if you try not if you try to drop it, you become someone that's trying to drop it. And if you try <laughs> not to drop it, you know, you're trying you'll become someone that's not dropping anything. Uh, it's um <laughs> yeah, all you can do is laugh about it. it, it that, that, that kind yeah. of feeling is kind of summed up in an old, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Taoist or, or Zen, but they said, uh, you know, somebody asked, how do you, how do you get in accord with the way? And the master answered, to try to accord is to deviate. <laughs> and, I could just uh, imagine the guy that he said that to. Astounded, completely flummoxed. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're, you're you're stuck either way. Yeah, um, stuck. But, I mean, but but really the the which actually puts you to the reverse side because then um, you know Alan Watts comes along in one of his talks. He goes, you know, as long as you're free to be stuck or unstuck, then you're unstuck. <laughs> 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 Only when you think that you that you're not free to be either way, and you must be unstuck at all times, then you're stuck. <laughs> yeah, you have to be unstuck, but not stuck. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's a sticking point, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we can laugh at, at these things because we've some sort of insights, um, you know. Uh, and, but um, to be to be a life force. Uh, as such that's constantly occurring there's nothing really to be said and that doesn't mean it's dull does it it's like it's quite effortless isn't it sense of being yeah 
Yeah. It's, you know, the, yeah, the sense of being is effortless of a really natural state. So, I mean, there's, and being it's natural, it's not this grand thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, you know, there's fireworks going off and you're meeting God. And I mean, I've read books where people had spiritual experiences and they went into the light and, uh, interesting enough, you know, you're not even the light either because you're aware of the light. You're actually the darkness that sees the light. Because only for the darkness, there couldn't be light. It's quite into all these things that you read about are very, are quite fascinating. Um, well, if you want to think about that a slightly different way, yeah, uh, you got you, you got to, you got to remember that outer space appears to be um, utter blackness only because there isn't an object. But as soon as there's an object, there's light. Because now there's reflection. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All the light has always been there, but it appears dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of the same thing. That's 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 a bit too much, isn't it? That isn't that the contrast how the mind works? It divides like light light and dark. It divides it, completely yeah. divides it up. Um Yeah. It always tries well, it's it's always there there's it's a natural thing of the divisive mind to try to have these contrasts, but also try to conceptualize in some way and and uh and and uh, any conception's always gonna have holes or and be incomplete and so it's never quite right either. Um And is it that con- is it that conceptualization that keeps the mind alive as such? Because there's no mind, is there? Is it conceptualization that that is the mind? Mind is, I think, just the standard term we use for the stream of thought. Hmm. Uh, as long as there's, you know, thinking arising, we think there's a mind that's doing the thinking. Um, but really, mind is just the label for the stream of thought, because when they're in the absence of thought, there's no mind. Um, kind of in the same way in in the East, when they talk about no mind, Um if you if you had ever seen the uh, movie The Last Samurai, but there there's this one point where um, the character and Westerner is learning swordsmanship, and you know he's paying attention to the the guy who's attacking him, and he hears the crowd kind of laughing, and you know he's noticing all that, and and he's getting just you know kind of the crap kicked out of him basically, and uh, the guy who one of the, one of his friends in the village runs up and he goes, no, 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 you have too many mind. You're minding the opponent. You're minding the audience. You're minding yourself. No mind. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was kind of the pointer that you're thinking too much about all this other stuff. Don't pay it any mind. (laughs) And when there's an absence of thought, you're not paying anything, any mind, there's no mind. (laughs) Yeah. And if you try to have no mind, you're, you're in again, you know, well, you can't you can't try to have no mind because that's fighting the mind, and nothing agitates the mind more than resisting it. Resisting it, yeah. <laughs> so, how would someone approach this, Eric? What would what tips would you give approaching, them? Approaching approaching no mind or being very present. Yeah, um, I mean, usually there. Well, there's a few different ways. Um, I know Ramon Maharshi. He taught self inquiry. Who am I? And you know, he even said the primary purpose of that was to bring silence of mind. It was just to silence the mind. So a thought arises and you go, who has this thought? I do. Who, who am I? And you just follow it right to the I thought, follow it to the source and the source of silence. So that's one way to quiet the mind. Um, due to my exposure with Eckhart Tolle, the one I kind of like is just being 100% devoted to the experience, experiencing and feeling of what's going on. Um, similar to how in Zen, they'll say, you know, watch your breath, which Early in my spiritual journey, that caused nothing but misery because I'd be mentally trying to observe my breath. I'd be counting my breath and mentally observing. And that's not what you're really supposed to be doing at all. It's it's feeling the breath. And so, you know, do you feel the air going past the lips and through the nostrils? Do you feel the chest expand? Do you feel all this stuff going on? Um, but you don't have to focus just on the breath. You can just, you can feel everything. It's like, do you feel your own heartbeat? Do you feel the pulse? You know, what's the alignment of the body? How much tension is there? There's so much to be aware of. Um, and I find this is a good portal because there is so much, there's so much depth available. Uh, you know, science has said conscious awareness is only aware of say 10, 10 bytes a, a second, but there's millions of bytes of information going on. I mean, there's so much going on. The conscious mind could never grasp it all. 
And in that way, you can, there's a lot you could potentially become aware of. And, and so it's kind of like on one side of the spectrum, the conscious awareness only has so much bandwidth. So on one side of the spectrum, somebody could be so deep in thought and thinking that they could slam her into a lamp pole because they simply were no longer aware. They didn't see it in front of them. <laughs> you could be on the other side of the spectrum. You could be so with the now experiencing it, feeling it, how, how all the stuff that's going on, that there's just no room for thought. <laughs> and I find that works um, better for, you know, for, for me is just totally being hundred percent devoted to the moment, feeling it, experiencing it. And keeping kind of also the, the knowledge or understanding that any thought that arises um, can only be about the past, the future, or pure imagination. Thought can't touch the now. Experience is about as, the direct experience of now is about as close as you can get. Thinking about it is an afterthought. It comes in afterwards. The thought that had happened, the thought, might, the, the thought that of what might happen a moment to come, or just daydreaming. Um, and, and knowing that if the focus is on the present moment, if a thought arises, you just don't really pay it any mind. And you just go, I don't, I don't really care about that. I'm more concerned with now. And for somebody who's trying to, to kind of get into presence and no mind, um, it's difficult at first because, you know, we've conditioned ourselves that as soon as there's a moment of silence, um, this is when the mind should, or you know, the brain should come forward with things we had forgotten or, you know, you know, things that that need more attention. And, you know, many of us have experienced it at some point in life where in a moment of, of silence, something comes to mind. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about doing that. Well, now you're just reinforcing. Good job, brain. You, you reminded me in this moment of silence. <laughs> I need to do this. And off you go in the next project. And in that way, we're just constantly making ourselves busy, busy, busy. But we're constantly reinforcing in a moment of silence. Give me stuff that I should be paying attention to. Then we decide to start meditating and become present. And we're sitting, we're like, why are all these thoughts coming? Well, that's the conditioning. In a moment of silence, give me all this stuff. <laughs> and so as we're being very, very present at first, yeah, there will be very, very um, um, appetizing, seductive thoughts that will come up. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And so if you're trying to practice being present or no mind, no matter how seductive the thought, you just got to kind of ignore it and go, I'll do it. I I'll think about this afterward, after I'm done sitting or after this practice or whatever. But for now, I don't care. And in that way, you're, you're trying to build a kind of a new protocol or condition in the brain to go, you don't need to fill up silence. You can allow it just to be silent. <laughs> and then over time, the, the brain kind of catches on. The brain's a bit like a tanker. It's slow to turn. So it takes a little bit of practice. But um, eventually the brain goes, oh, I don't need to fill up all the silence with something. And then you'll find that you can just sit and um, be fully aware and and no mind and not think. And it's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> but it may take a while. <laughs> um, it's you, you mentioned you, you were reading books when you were younger. And just yeah. when, you, when you were talking there, I, I was listening. And um, you reminded me of the fact that, you know, Usually we look outward, even in religion, we're looking outward to things, uh, you know, in life we're yep. we're captured by, by objects, materialism, the mind is captured and advertising plays on this very well, you know, I mean, sales myself. So, you know, I mean, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of, you know, I kind of do it myself, but, um, there comes a point, even in your life, it, you spoke about it, where we stop looking outward Mm -hmm. And suddenly we start to look inward and like Ramana Maharshi, you mentioned him. It's like, you know, the search for enlightenment is like stirring the stick in the fire. And the, the, the stick eventually burns out while you stir it. And, and while you're looking inwards, it's like using a thorn to pick out a thorn, you mm -hmm. know. And like, I, I'm just saying, I, I think that's a really, um, you, you kind of touched on it there. That's an important aspect of the search. You could say that suddenly you look in. And the mind doesn't yeah. want that, does it? I mean, I talk to people sometimes that have no clue about non-duality or enlightenment. And I can sense it, you know, the mind will, usually it's it's three standard answers. I wouldn't think that deep. Oh, I don't have time for that now. Oh, I, you know, that's very complicated. 
it's always a stand. <laughs> it's a standard, you know, you know, it's a standard reply. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the standard replies, I guess, are a bit of a, maybe a defense mechanism, but I mean, it's the, the, the illusory me, the idea of, of, of me being the thinker, mm. uh, being, being overly enamored and focusing on thought. Um, these are all substantiated and strengthened by, by struggle and resisting what is and trying to get into the future or trying to get away or fixing the past, all this stuff helps strengthen it. So mm-hmm. if, if you tell, if you just say, cease doing, just be still, be silent, be fully aware, not even thinking. Yeah. The mind really doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't. It, and, 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 neither, and, and neither do people. Really, no, I, I mean, they, they sense it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, as soon as you say, you know, be be still, be silent, cease doing, they're like, well, how is that going to do anything? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, the point is, it's it's not, it's not, you're not trying to do something. You're, you're trying to cease what you've already been doing to see what's behind that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and to find the doer. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it's, I mean, because I mean, you know, if you, if we're constantly, you know, looking at thought and 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 daydreaming and thinking about past and future, you know, that's a lot of awareness of our attention being removed from what's going on around us. Like I said, you can be so deep in thought that you could stumble into somebody because you just didn't see them. Um, and so you know it. Instead of it, basically, it's 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 a lot of a ceasing to do. It's like, well, I know that I have this tendency to engage with thought, so I'm just going to cease doing that. And you know, if you cease doing, all you're left with is the present moment. <laughs> you know, if you cease doing, um, all you're left is is with acceptance because um, it's our active resistance and denial that we just need to cease doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and so yeah 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 that we cease doing it and what would you say after that well i mean i a lot of times i turn a lot of stuff on its head to to turn it because i know one of the you know in spiritual traditions and teachers and everything you know we it's common to talk about what to do and so they'll say well you should um you know you should you should be detached. So you should practice detachment, or you should practice acceptance, or you should practice forgiveness. And yeah, it's it's on the surface it sounds good, but these are all things for me to do, and they'll be limited limitedly successful if you if you practice it as such. But really, if you look at it deep down, um, the only reason you need to forgive is because it's something you're holding on to from the past. If you cease holding on to it, you don't need to forgive anymore. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. If the only re- resistance and denial is of, of the present. And so if you cease resisting and denying, well, then it's already accepted and allowed. <laughs> you know, it is, it is um, recognizing that the stuff that we're told to practice in a weird way is, can be interpreted and often is interpreted as I should do this to counter this, but they don't realize the th- this that they're trying to counter is something they're already doing. So you're now doing something to counter something you're doing. And so I usually try to flip it over because I'm like, well, really what you need to just do is just realize what you're doing and cease doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's to preempt the, the whole struggle. Yeah. And when you cease doing something, that's not particularly egoic because the doing is the egoic to cease doing and not do is not egoic. Um, it's kind of like, you know, mm. it's kind of like the comparison between, say, silence and noise. We never create silence. We just cease making noise, and then there's silence. <laughs> yeah. The same, the same thing with peace. We don't really create peace. We just cease struggling in cr- conflict and fighting. When you cease fighting, there's peace. <laughs> yeah. Well, they will <laughs> say they, really... well, they will. Both sides will say they're fighting for peace. You know. Well, the thing is, there's no way to fight for peace. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> I mean, tell these geniuses, but the, you know, in World War Three, whatever they're doing now, you know, um, yeah, that's the thing. It's a crazy world. But um, is the ego the 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 cause of all these problems that we're having, or is it just um, is it played out like a like a, 
I, it's, someone said um, that it was all what's happening is like God having a dream. Yeah. And he doesn't even know that he's dreamt this. It's just dreamt. He can't even do anything about it or it can't do anything about it because it's just spontaneously being dreamt out. That's quite like mind blowing. I mean, yeah. that means and that, it's all and that is just one way to, to, to point at, but if you think about it even further, really what it is, is all the dream characters are being played by that one consciousness or God. And it is there. It is the actions of each that are creating the dream to be as it is. It's the action. So you're saying on one hand, well, you're not, you're, you're making a complete one statement. Well, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying yeah. the dream is as it is because of all of all the individual actions of all the characters. Yeah. You know, yeah. the only reason, the only reason, you know, something is built is because a group got together and built it, mm-hmm. whether that's a dream or not. But, um, and so in one sense you could say, God can, God can't do anything about it in the sense that there's no third point of view. That's almighty that can come in and go, I will fix this all that. Yeah. No, that, that can't happen. If yeah. it's going to be fixed, it's going to be done through all the individual characters of the dream. Well, that that are powered and played by yeah. the dream. I mean, I mean, I mean, God, which is playing all the characters of the dream, through the characters of the dream, may go. We don't like this anymore. We're going to act as a group and change things. Um, that would be God changing it, but not not as directly as people imagine God acting. <laughs> yeah, but even those changing them, them changes don't mean anything because they're a dream like change. Well, I mean, it'll, it, it'll only mean, it'll, it'll, it, it doesn't mean anything in the absolute sense and yeah. that nothing is gained or lost. Yeah. But, you know, while you're dreaming, it means something, <laughs> you know, for, for the dream characters within the dream, it means. Well, apparently, yeah. You know, you know, you know, basically, you know, love or hate, war or peace. That's what, that's what it really means for them. Um. The thing is, that's the nature of all games. If you think about it in terms of when you're playing games, is anything ever really ultimately gained or lost? No. Yeah. Mm. But you're still going to try to win. You're going to yeah. still try to, yeah. you're still looking for the joy of it. If it's a cooperative game, yeah. you're all cooperating to to, yeah. to to make, achieve goals. But is it all, is there a real point? Is it serious? Is it something you're, no, it's not serious. You're not really accomplishing anything. <laughs> Nothing's really gained or lost. Yeah. But yeah. you still do it for the joy of it. And mm. in in the same way, in a dream, that the the characters of the dream could go, we're going to do the we're going to do this to make this change. For just the simple enjoying that, if it changes, we'll enjoy how things change. Yeah, um, enjoy the ride. Not, not 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 that it makes it suddenly serious, but that or that you gain something because you know when the dream's over, it's over. <laughs> See, this is it. Nothing, I mean, nothing's permanent, so you can't you can't grasp it and go. We've accomplished it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and like being president of America, that's fine, that's okay. That dream will go too. And being a street cleaner in Washington, uh, that dream will go as well. Or sitting on a couch mm-hmm. doing nothing all day, that's the same importance. But at, yeah. it's all the same importance. But the thing is, is I find life is play and you, you can, you can, you can just say, well, you know, there's real no gain or loss. So why, why do anything and and kind of remain aloof, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's kind of, the game doesn't end. Even if you decide to try to, you know, cease playing, you're still playing just another game and doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it's, it's kind of like, I guess it's opposing paradigms of thought because um, Alan Watts had once talked in one of his lectures where he goes, and people have this idea that we must clean, 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 purify, you know, remove things. And it's, it's almost, he goes, it's almost like they think the ultimate goal is we should get down to a nice clean rock. And that's what's left of the planet. <laughs> nice, nice, clean, perfectly steel, sterling, polished rock. Um, but he goes, you know, if you realize the world is, is a play, you can then live it up. It's like, well, great. I'm, I'm, I, I believe in color. I believe in, and you know, <laughs> you know, mm. let's, you know, we don't need to go in black and white. We can go in color. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just for the joy of it. Not because you're gaining anything of it. And so even a street cleaner 
you know, in, in Washington, as you said, they, they could just be a normal street, street cleaner and, and drudge through their day. Or they could they could see the, you know, there's another way of saying, well, this is the way I'm interacting. And they can actually see that they're making people's lives better. You know, there's these two viewpoints, yeah. Yeah. you know, are just just tint the way we're living in the world in terms of um, whether whether you add a minus or a plus to it. <laughs> OK, so so we yeah, obviously I, I went off in, in a bit of trying to go down those rabbit holes, which there are thousands but the, the sense of authorship is the thing, isn't it? We need to get to that. Who's, drive, um, who's driving the dream bus, as someone said once? Well, you, you never see who's who, who's driving it. Just as when you're dreaming at night, the dreamer is never revealed. Um, I mean, even the, the, the character you believe yourself to be is part of the dream. It's also the part of the dreamed. No different than any other, any other character in the dream. Um, and so the dreamer is never really revealed, um, as a, as another object, another third point of view, that's all knowing, all seeing whatever. Um, but I mean, who would view it anyway? I mean, it'd be like, yeah, who would view it? So I mean, really it comes down to just realizing that, um, you know, that there really is no separation, that it is kind of all a dream and, the there is choice we all have choice whether we want to do things do we have you know do we have actual you know uh i mean choice is just one aspect there's also mm-hmm. randomness yeah. there's also conditioning you know there's 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 things going on as well but there's always there's there's choice as well so i've never really denied the idea of choice or free will but i've just denied the the that there is a choose a chooser per se somebody could say well me i'm the chooser um Instead, it's there's just choices being made. The choice you know, is no chooser. Like, there's events happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like you might as well make choices. You might as well do what you're going to do post-awakening, yep. you can say, because it doesn't matter. And it's like, oh, yeah, sure, choices are just choices. There's nobody making choices. You know? Well, I mean, it, I mean, that's that's where you get into. You know, I tend to talk about. I tend to talk from the standpoint of free will and mm. choice. Um, but really, you know, you you can go either direction because I know the the more normal traditional way is to say everything's predetermined, scripted. There's mm. no free will. There's no choice. There's no mm. doer. And really, you can say that everything had. You could say nothing is chosen, and everything's faded, or you could say everything is chosen, or there's choice and everything is, you know, as the self wants, basically. So you could say everything is more or less chosen or nothing is chosen. You can go either way. Um, the difficulty and problems arise when you try to get uh, choosy and say, I chose this, but I did not choose that. <laughs> that's, that's where, that's where a me kind of creeps in and, and preferences arise and all this other stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'll say, yeah, there's free choice and there's choice. There's there that happens, but I'll say, you know, each dream character will, will, will choose based on their current understanding. Um, but also the, 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 if, if it's a group choice, like an election that also was done, you know, it's kind of like put this way in consciousness, I'm kind of combining dream and, 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 and life at the same time, but let's say, um, you know, during the 2016 election, election, the U.S. one with Trump and Hillary, mm. um, as as Eric, the character individual, voted voted for Hillary. Um, so that was the self, which you could say self consciousness, consciousness, uh, Brahman ultimate reality. Pick your label; really doesn't matter. <laughs> but an advisor, they'll talk about everything's the self or everything's Brahman. But we'll say as the self through through Eric voted for Hillary. But the self, as the entire populace of the United States, voted for Trump. Those are not those are not contrary. They're like because some people will go, well, how would the self vote for Hillary and then vote you know vote for Trump at the same time? I'm like character masses, it's all one thing. If this was a dream, and there was an election in the dream, some characters would vote one way, some characters would vote the other, regardless of the result. 
it was still the decision of the consciousness, which is the entirety of the dream. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like when you said, like, I chose that the individual person, if you wrapped it all about you said, the voting scenario into the fact of one individual person, I chose that, but not that. It's the same sort of a thing. Well, it's, yeah, it's like cause, I, cause, I voted for well, Trump. I voted for Hillary, but I didn't vote for Trump. Well, I voted for Trump, but in the end, I also elect. I I voted for Trump. I mean, I voted for Hillary, but I elected Trump. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did both of those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, See, we we put importance on to. Um, it's quite, and then the important is the, and, the then, and, and, know, and knowing that there's no individuals, it's like I know fully well that. As that this character might have voted for Hillary, but me as other characters voted for Trump. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's really no separation. It's like the entirety of the votes was also my decision. And you, you can't pre-think and, a thought, can you? As well, I mean, you can't that? you can't pre-think a thought. You you can't think a, think pre-think a thought. I'm going to have this thought. Like <laughs> even that can't be pre-thought. What I just said because it just happened yeah. once. Yeah, it's uh, but I mean, so but I mean, I usually talk from from like I said, free will, but also you know, um, there's a bit of spontaneity, so it's ad lib and improv, mm. and, and uh, you know, it's kind of it's it's kind of like when ch- when children are, are you know, say uh, a child is playing with dolls, and they're having a they're, ha- they're they act out a scenario between these two dolls. They really don't know the direction it's going. Yeah, <laughs> they're just acting it out, and they and they just play each perspective. As if the two don't are not aware of each other, yeah. um, and you know the same thing happens in dreams. The same thing is what reality is like. It's it's just consciousness, self, Brahman. What pick your term? Playing all the parts, um, and uh, the belief that I am an individual, I am separate, is is the illusion because nothing has really ever been separate. <laughs> and that's the thing: nothing has ever been separate. Yeah. There's just the misconception, uh, incorrect belief and assumption and ignorance that there's separation. Um, the idea of separation is, is imagined. Um, it never was separate. We just imagined to be separate. And then the the body, the body brings that idea of separation, doesn't it? Believing or the body. No, well, the, the body is, is, I would say really it's in the brain. It's within the conception that we come up with the idea of separate in the, the head. Like, yeah. 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 Cause uh, you know, it, it's kind of like if you're used to seeing, I mean, if you see trees and you're used to, and you're used to them being separate or at least having the idea that they're separate and you go to a place like the Pando in Utah and you see this Aspen forest with hundreds and hundreds of trees and you go, well, how many trees do you see? Most people would naturally go, well, there's just, you know, there's hundreds, you know, it's, you can't even count them. Um, but it's because they're going under the incorrect assumption based on their ignorance and, and misconception that each thing they see sticking out of the ground are separate. <laughs> but the Pando is a, what they call a clonal colony. It's, it's a contender for one of the world's largest organisms. It's one massive root structure with just stems sticking up everywhere. And so, and this was proven not that long ago by science in terms of, you know, for, for hundreds, if not thousands of years, people have assumed all these trees are separate, but then science comes around and goes, no, no, we've proven they're all one thing. (laughs) And, you know, but if you're not privy to that knowledge and understanding, you know, you ask how many trees do you see? People would say, Oh, there's hundreds. It's acres and acres of woods. Um, Because they simply don't know. It's their misconception built built on an assumption based on ignorance, just not knowing yeah. what's really going on. Yeah, and that all happens in the concepts and through the brain of the body. Yeah, that ignorance—it's nobody's fault, is it? I mean, because you stumbled it's on the Cartoli book and the video, and yeah, yeah. Ignorance isn't a bad thing. No. Um, you don't want to vilify ignorance and go, "We yeah. you know, ignorance is bad. We need to get rid of it," because you know, ignorance is what you need to set up any game, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine playing poker if everybody's hands were seen at all times. Poker would be very dull. <laughs> it's fun because we don't know. Way. Yeah. You know, um, surprise, parties are, hand. <laughs> surprise parties are a great thing, yeah. but you can't plan a surprise party for yourself. 
<laughs> if you know about it, it's not going to be a surprise. <laughs> a magician's illusions bring wonder because we don't know how it's done. It's just so ridiculous. Ignorance, That's so ignorance ridiculous. is a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> But does it have a dark side and some? Does it have a dark side and some negatives? Yeah, we can cause ourselves suffering. We can cause ourselves misery just simply because we don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and you know it's okay not to know because we. I mean, we grew up in a society. You know, you have to know everything. You know, you have to gain knowledge, and and you have to know the answers to the tests, and you know, (laughs) Jesus, it's like you know, it's a perfect con job in a way. Yeah, look, it and, has no to one, be, yeah. and no one's a master of everything, and no one is born a master in anything. No, it's all no. trial and error. Absolutely, and a lot yeah. of error. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> ignorant. You know, people people say often, you know, just let, like a, like just throw something in. They say, "Oh, you're ignorant." Well, we're all ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> there's nobody that knows everything, like you just said. You know. Yeah. Um, there's a freedom in this, isn't there? Like you know, on about those trees that there's no there's no separate tree that are all born as such. There's also a freedom and there's an ease with being with other people that resonate on, on this journey as well, isn't there? Like, you know? Yeah. It's like we're all those trees together. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a certain ease. Um, I mean, it's for those, for when, I guess when, when people get together, when, I don't know how often it happens, but they say when, when a couple of people understand this get together, it's there's usually kind of a, there's kind of a, you both kind of understand, you know, what the other understood in terms of that, you know, it's, it's not a, um, there's not a me, there's no separation, the conflict, the struggle, there's, there's, that's kind of fallen away. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, two people have their own inner peace and meet, and there's just this deep peace and contentment. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to defend a, a concept that I have or, you know, it's not a bit like if this was a business meeting, we'd have agendas and opinions and, you know, I'd have to try and get my point across. It would be, you know, contrived. Um, <laughs> but this is totally that, not that like. Yeah, I mean, there. well, I mean, most of the cases that I've heard or, or read about where they get together. Yeah. There's really no agendas. A lot of times they end up just sitting in silence. Yeah. <laughs> Cause what more can be said? Yeah. Both really know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. The conversation goes on and, and the questions are asked and suddenly it's like a duck shoot, you know, the ducks are all shot and, and everybody's just silent. But yet the ego will kick off again tomorrow when there's another retreat, you know, <laughs> it will have another goal <laughs> apparently. Um, Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if enlightenment was a factual thing to get, wouldn't we already have got this wonderful thing? Why would it take so long for it to happen? It's ridiculous. You know, just thinking of abstract ideas about it. Um, There are so many holes in the idea of the me and the idea that you're going to get something. Because the, the clues are in the sense of being, aren't they? And the insights that yeah. we have from that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of the reason it takes so long is much of what you said earlier, because we're looking outside, we're looking everywhere else. Mm. We're looking for in all the wrong places. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like if, if, if your glasses are up on your head and you go like, where are my glasses? And you spend the day searching your house, your car, you're looking everywhere, but you just can't find them. Like, where are they? They're on your head. They've always been there. (laughs) You know, uh, 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 and and until you can just be still and silent, i.e. quit looking anywhere else, (laughs) um, then that's the only time you really have a chance to see what is now as it is. And... um, because they'll say, well, enlightenment is just simply seeing what is as it is. Well, the only way you can see what is as it is or otherwise is to look at what's going on now. If you're looking at everywhere else where I've got to go, what happened in the past, these plans, these ideas, these concepts, you're looking everywhere but here. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I think, um, you know, when they talk about, well, why does it take so long for realization and enlightenment to happen? I go, it takes some people longer than others to exhaust themselves and finally quit look and quit looking everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> it took me 13 years to quit looking everywhere else. It didn't take me 13 years to wake up. It took me 13 years to quit looking everywhere else. Then I woke up. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't quit looking, it might have took 20, 30 years. Yes. Who knows how long? Start from the start <laughs> from the fact that you are that. I mean, there are a lot of teachers too, Eric, that would not go that way and tell the truth about that. They would keep it going for a long time. You have to do this practice and that practice and this, you know. Um, there's a lot of that around as well. But, um, you know, which I suppose is okay. But, you know, st- to start from the fact that you are that, um, as you said. You are that. You couldn't be otherwise. Mm. Um, and so enlightenment is just realizing that. And to realize that is a... An insight, a profound seeing um, that what you thought you were, this me, doesn't really exist. And you aren't that. <laughs> and uh, it, that seeing through the me is is the whole crux in my, in my mind for what enlightenment and awakening is. Um, and it has other effects, you know, you know, suffering falls away, things like that. Um but I always hesitate to call them benefits because, you know, because sometimes I'll have people approach me and they go, well, what's the benefits of enlightenment? Why should I seek it? And, and I, I usually just brush it off and I go, if you don't know the answer to that, I'm not going to give you an answer. You know, just <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to sell enlightenment because as soon as I give benefits and go, yeah. well, this is why you should. Mm. Well, let's say the person then gets intrigued and like, that sounds awesome. I'm going to seek it. Well, now there's a me seeking it. And who knows how long that's going to take yeah. before they finally hit the point of looking, you know, they're going to be looking everywhere else for who knows how long. <laughs> yeah. And so usually when, you know, when people ask about benefits, I'm like, don't ask about benefits. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's, it's all about just being here, being now, being aware of what's going on and ceasing all this other stuff and ceasing to look elsewhere and, and if you're if you're looking for a reason to do this, then I can't help you because really, it, it, in the end, it's curiosity. Just aren't you curious to know what really is? Yeah, <laughs> who you really are. If yeah. you're not curious to know who you really are, then you're not really interested in spirituality because all of spirituality really boils down to figuring out who you are. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the most amazing question to ask yourself. It's, it's the most valid question to ask. Well, where, who am I? Where did I come from? Really? Like, you know, how did this all happen or begin or, you know, really like, you know, um, we're never taught it. We're all, as I said, we're, we're given the advertising show and, and the, the materialism uh, and all that stuff. Um, and, and we're kind of captured in, in these concepts about this, that and the other. And we have to get mortgages and better jobs and climb the corporate ladder, which is fine, too. I mean, whatever. But it's we never look in, do we? Um, I mean, Eastern mm-hmm. traditions spoke about this for, for eons. But, you know, the teachings through the Internet now, we're, we're, we're getting those teachings now, um, which is refreshing. And it's wonderful. I never got the chance to read these books. I am that and things like that when I was younger. Uh, they weren't around. And if they were, I missed them. But there was all, it was religion and, and it was these um, things to believe in, you know. Um, these things to believe in, these things yeah. to practice mm. and, and off you go. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, you know, people are, everything is ripe for them to, to have a look and ask that wonderful question, like you said. What was it? It's like, who, who are you? Just who am I? What am I? What am I? And... Uh, I mean, that is the basis of all spirituality. And, and I mean, yeah, someone can be so deep into suffering, it throws them into that question. Because, I mean, even Eckhart Tolle will talk about he was practically suicidal. He was going through deep depression and he just, he the thought arose, I just can't live with myself anymore. And it, it just kind of stopped him. He goes, who's this me that can't live with myself anymore? Yeah. How can there be two me's? And that got him into that question of, well, who am I then? Yeah. Um, I think Byron Katie and others have talked about that too, where they were deep in suffering and somehow introspection and who am I crept in. Yeah. Uh, but for me and and I and I, and the pointer I like doing is well, you don't really need suffering to drive you there. 
just be curious. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> when, you know, would you like to know what you really are? Um, and uh, that does involve kind of shaking up what you think you are currently, you know, because people a lot of times, and that's part of the reason why it also takes so long, because a lot of people firmly believe they already know what, who and what they are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I'm such and such. And, yeah. and, and when something is known, you cease looking. Um, you really don't look at it anymore. It's now a known quantity. I know who I am. So you never look again. Yeah. You never turn inward and look because I know who I am. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's from a point of uh, not knowing. I don't know. That's when we look, that's when we're open. <laughs> yeah. And, and even people, I think it Nisargadatta Maharaj, I like this one where he said, you know, even to see into that and get, get to try and break that shell, you know, the, the person knows who they are. He said something like, you know, you believe you're the body. Some seeker said, you know, who are, he said to the seeker, who are you or whatever? And the seeker said, I'm the body. Yet you're here looking for enlightenment and you believe you are the body. I mean, that even screams an answer. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, is, is, we so much do very, very superficial, superficial level of awareness and looking, and we don't question our own beliefs. Because, I mean, I've had people, you know, come to me and go, well, I am the body. And, yeah. I'll, and I'll go, okay, well, let's go under that assumption that you are. Are you all the body or just part of the body? And they're like, well, no, I'm all the body. I'm like, okay, let's go with that. Are, if you have a hair clipping or a nail clipping, are you less so? Uh, no, I'm not less. So I'm still me. I'm like, okay, those two parts you're not. And we just start, we start whittling away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, clear left and, with nothing. And, they, and they soon realize it's like, well, okay, well, if you had, well, if as a child you had a tonsillitis or appendicitis and you had tonsils or appendix removed, are you still me? Oh well, yeah. I don't, okay. Those are two organs. You don't, that are not you, uh, <laughs> you know, and you, you can whittle through organs and body parts and everything else. And it's like, okay. And as you keep looking, there's this point where you might realize I'm not here. There is no me here, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of where the netty netty comes in. You, you keep looking at and investigating mm -hmm. until you can deeply viscerally see and feel that I'm not this. And then you cease identifying with it. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, they, they come from the idea that I'm the body. And then with that incorrect knowledge of who and what I, I am, they never, they never look. Because as soon as I said, am I, are you less so with a haircut or nail clipping? Well, no, they've never delved into it. They just yeah. stopped it. I'm the body. They never looked at it really deeply to, to, to investigate and question it. <laughs> it's astounding. It's astounding. It, yeah. It, and it, yeah. Um. It's, well, it's, 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 it's a sign of the times really, because I mean, with, with modern era, we, because of all the stuff that's going on, all the noise and information and, and busy, busy, mm. we've gotten more and more superficial. We, we glance at things. We don't look at things very deeply. <laughs> yeah, we're distracted <laughs> a lot. We're distracted a lot. As soon as we get a, 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 a surface level glance at something, we go, oh, it's this. And then we move on to the next thing that's grabbing our attention. <laughs> the next shiny object. The next, yeah. the next and, retreat, the next book, or you know, which is powerful yeah. too, I'm sure, but... Yeah, but with this superficial glancing at things, um, that's another reason why it takes so long because we never stop and really look at ourselves, question what we think we are, and look deeply. We just stay with, well, I know I'm the body. Are you really? Ponder it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm the mind. You can you can ponder the mind the same way, and you can whittle away because the really the devil's in the details, as they say. If you can find a scenario where where there was that wasn't there at some point. Well, then you can no longer hold the idea that 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 is what you are. Kind of like somebody will go, well, I'm thought. Well, have you ever been in the zone as an athlete? Have you ever been in awe? And, and, and you know, at some point in your life, there's been periods where there's maybe not that long, might only been a minute, but there's been periods in your life where there was no thought in your head for a little bit of time. Yeah. Did you cease to exist? No. Well, then you can't be that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's just finding you're using your own experience. You got to use your own experience and make it kind of a visceral feeling. It's an experience. It's like experientially, viscerally, I know I'm not this because of these reasons. Um, that's the other thing. We often try to make it a mental contemplation. And when you're keeping it at a mental level, it's never deep enough because the mind's so fickle. The mind can take, can hold two contrary beliefs simultaneously. <laughs> 
<laughs> people hold two contrary beliefs all the time. <laughs> I never knew that. And it can, and the mind can partition and keep them um, both. But the mind's fickle that way. So that's why mental, mentally trying to hash it out going, well, mentally, I see that I'm not this. That's, that's never what I'm ever talking about. Cause that's too shallow. You get, you almost got to feel it in your gut and your being kind of, I know I'm not this because this, you know, <laughs> <clears throat> and when that investigation is done right and yeah. I, I totally get that nitty nitty approach um when that investigation is done I, this this actually this clip is in my mind now from youtube from jeff foster i think somebody asked somebody gave him a, a question all the all and the, the heading of the youtube video is all that's left is laughter mm-hmm. and someone i think said to him i don't know why this has come up but it's funny you know when i become enlightened what was it um when the ego is dropped, will I know that it's dropped? Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. When will I know that it's gone? <laughs> but you'll never know. You'll never know. When it's <laughs> but the thing about it is that there is no ego from this. And you, you touched on it, like to, to, a true teaching with, with that isn't contrived and, and doesn't give you carrots to look to, to go for. The fact of it is, is that you are that from, from the off and that there is no me from the off yeah. from that's a fact like and and you kind of know when the me and ego has been dropped not because the thought no longer arises that there's a me but that when the mind through habit and conditioning will inevitably occasionally especially at first throw a thought of me up it simply can't be believed and yeah. that's what's laughed at the mind will go, well, I, what about this? It pertains to me. And you're like, oh, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, the mind it's, be- it's reflected. The mind becomes humorous because the, 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 yeah. old, the old you know, repetitive thought will throw up about a me and that this mm. is vital for a me. And it's like, but it's not a me. It's not me and it's not vital. And that's what becomes humorous. <laughs> yeah. All that's left is laughter. Yeah. All it's kind of left is laughter. And I, and I do find that over time, the mind throws up less such thoughts. Uh, because, mm. again, kind of like what I mentioned earlier, the mind's a bit of a tanker in terms of new habits come in. And if you keep if you keep laughing at the idea of me as it arises, <laughs> eventually the, the brain kind of goes, okay, I'm going to quit referring to this because <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the ridicule. Uh, but, you know. Can't handle this. I'm leaving. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the brain, I always say uh-huh. the brain is a friend. It really is trying to help. Yeah. And it's it's operating off of the conditioning and habits and things you've put into it. And so, you know, by the time we're adults, most of our thought is self-reflective, self-referential thoughts. And so even after awakening and enlightenment, yeah, those thoughts will still arise. But you know that awakening and enlightenment has probably happened when when those thoughts arise, you don't believe them. <laughs> it's like the thought arises and it's like, I know that's a thought. That's not me. <laughs> you know, it's kind of similar if someone walked up and tried to convince you that you're your, uh, you're your kitchen fridge. You would never believe you're your kitchen fr- fridge. It's just it's it's a ridiculous thought. What do you mean I'm, I'm the fridge? <laughs> no matter how many times somebody tried to convince you, it'd almost be more humorous. It's like, yeah. you really believe I'm the fridge? I mean, come on. <laughs> and that's the way the mind operates. The mind, mind will be going, no, no, we are, I, I'm this. No, no, you're not. <laughs> and the mind will slowly kind of catch on that these thoughts don't hold interest. And when thoughts mm. don't hold interest, the brain kind of readjusts. The the belief in them, the, the glue, the belief kind of... The belief in them, the grabbing onto them. Kind of like when I was saying when when in moments of silence, very attractive, seductive thoughts will arise because the brain's trying to help and you've wanted to know about this stuff in the past. And so especially at the beginning when you're doing meditation and such, you got to not hold on to them and go, oh, yeah, that's something I wanted to remember. As soon as you start reinforcing the brain, you're now spinning that wheel of thought again and thoughts start building. Likewise, when the me arises, you can't grasp onto it. It's like. And you can, and the only way to not grasp onto it is really know that's not me. There is no me. If that's viscerally understood, no matter how much someone, even your own mind, tries to convince you that the me is, it really does exist and is vitally important, you're just never going to buy it. <laughs> yeah, and th- there's a lot of energy as well, sort of thing, as in looking inward mm-hmm. to find or to to drop the idea of the me. But I, I think. And I, I, it's come up for me because when I read Eckhart Tolle on, on my search 15 years ago, 
um, I, I think it was a power now. Um, it, it was like keep it in the now. And I was trying to keep it in the moment. But there's a lot of energy in, in looking inwards in the moment. But try not to be here is, is a fantastic point or two. <laughs> there's no way not to be, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's just as powerful as looking at who's there or not there. Try not to be here. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, I just, I think that's, uh, it just counteracts the, because people can get hooked on the search, looking inwards. Yeah. There's like a stay in the moment, stay in the moment, keep it in the moment, meditate, keep it in the moment. There's a, there's well, a big, there's a big energy. What in happens, that. what happens is there's a bit of a me trying to accomplish this. A mm. me is trying to be present, mm. but to what that question you said points to is there's no way to not be present. You don't have to do anything to be present. Yeah, effortless. And, and yeah. so as soon as you're trying to be present, you're already deviating from the present. Yeah. So <laughs> how do you contract that? If, if, if you're trying to be present in order to get something, you're already deviating from the present. <laughs> so how can you be present without trying to be present? <clears throat> you know, I mean. <laughs> well, a lot of, a lot of it is, it, like I said, it's, it's turning it on its, on its head. It's not so much trying to be present rather than ceasing to try to be anywhere else ceasing to think about ceasing to worry about past future mm-hmm. daydreams just go you know i don't care about the past or future so much or daydreaming my biggest concern is now and if now is your biggest concern you'll be present uh, <laughs> yeah you know but you know we're very much tied up on future seeking or the the baggage of the past and so a lot of these thoughts arise and we, we grab onto them and we hold onto them. And, and uh, that's, that's what pulls us. The only thing that pulls us from the present is just our own thoughts about, you know, past, present, or, you know, past, future daydreaming. Um, you really can't think about the present, you know? And so to just be present is just to be aware of the present as opposed to think about the present. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we can't we can't get it wrong either. I mean, that's true too, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the message is to look inward, not outwards. To be present. Look inwards. Cease doing. Quit trying to do so much. Just you know, be aware of what is here and now, and has always been the case. <laughs> yeah. Eric, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. It's, it's great talking to you. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, and, great talking uh, to you too. Yeah. Thank and, you. And if you have a website, www.ericpukkanen.com. Non-duality simplified, is it? Yeah, okay. that's, that's, okay. that's the, uh, oh, my yeah. uh, Oh, no, website. the YouTube channel is, is Eric yeah. yeah, the YouTube channel uh, is just my name, Eric Putkinen. Yeah. And people can reach you there and you do retreats and Zooms or? or... I Well, yeah, I do Zooms. I've been using Google Meet more, um, but uh, retreats, not so much. I haven't really gotten into that yet. Um, I still host um, gatherings in my house. Actually, this Sunday I've got one, um, some people coming over for a satsang in my house. Cool. But uh, yeah, pretty much it's it's occasional home meetings, occasional online meetings, YouTube videos. That's kind of what I'm doing these days. <laughs> okay. Well, we look forward to more. Excellent. Well, thank you much. So, Eric, thanks a lot, and uh, take care. Yeah. You too. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we very much hope you enjoyed us. If you did, please subscribe for more on your chosen platform. And also, if you'd like to keep in contact, please hit us up on social media. So folks, until next time, please take care and we hope you join us soon.